We will cover head coach Kevin Stefanski's combine presser from Indy. Did Jadavian Clowney price his way out of the Cleveland Browns for 2022? And our NFL draft prospects using the fact that there wasn't an NFL combine last year to hold their workouts at the pro days or their workout facilities in order to ensure better success. All of that on the latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns. Your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB, the Locked On Browns podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. Appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you use. Make sure you're following or subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews. Continuing with NFL Combine Chatter. Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith in the house at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, we got to hear Kevin Stefanski speak. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, get a little bit more here about wide receivers. You know some of the rumors that seem to be popping up uh, this week here, uh, with you know all of the flowing amounts of information, good, bad, truth or not, coming through uh, the NFL Combine. Um, Pete, first, uh, Coach Stefanski spoke yesterday on a whole, and you know again, this is a lot of it gets to be wasted time um, when you get him in this position. Um, a lot of it is fluff and nonsense. Uh, you know, coach Stefanski for the 276th time, um, remaining that he will be the play caller. Um, you know, obviously, you know, stakes his claim, vouches his support for Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, talked a little bit about, you know, players, you know, as far as the rehab process getting improved. Um, but the biggest takeaway I would think yesterday, Pete from coach is that there just wasn't much, <laughs> To be had, it, it really seemed, and he even spoke himself that maybe he was, that he um, kind of, you know, was asked to join the crew in uh, Indy by Andrew Barry. Um, so there were some questions that were sort of wasted or weren't asked well, um, I guess. If you're going to ask um, about play calling, I would ask about the process of play calling. Um, like what goes into it or how collaborative is that process. But instead you give yes or no answers and the answer is always going to be, I'm calling plays, which is, it just does no one any good. Um, the questions that he did get that were interesting, um, as, as I keep saying, if you ask Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski process questions, they're going to give you good answers. And one of the good answers that, or one of the good questions they were asked um and I don't know who to credit to. It may have been Ashley Barstock or, or uh, whatever her name is uh, that asked about basically like personnel groups and um, you know, how attached uh, the Browns are to running three tight ends. And as I, I expected, he would, he basically said, look, we're going to something, the effect of we're going to play what we have, which tells you an awful lot about what they thought about their offense last year. They, put three tight ends in the field because they thought that 
oftentimes those were their three, uh, 11 best players included three tight ends. Um, it, it only goes to support what we already knew, which is wide receiver wasn't very good. Um, and they need more there. Uh, that, that was certainly one important takeaway. Um, I, I did find it interesting that when they were talking about um, sort of how they view or how they use meetings and, you know, what can be gained and stuff like that, that he shouted out the aptitude of Anthony Schwartz um, saying that they felt really good about his ability to line up anywhere, um, which I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it was off the cuff that he did that, but nevertheless sort of interesting that a player that a lot of people have decided to rip right off because he had a, a, a disappointing rookie year for any number of reasons um, that suggests somebody they still see value in and somebody they can, can, can develop. Um, and then they have sort of a breakaway thing. And I hate these things, not because of what they are. I think it's great that he answers more questions, but it's more annoying that like it's, it's more difficult to get the, the, the sort of local scrum. Um, asking about, you know, the limitations on the offense and, and why, um, you know, basically asking if Baker's injuries caused the offense to be limited, to which he said no. Um, that doesn't surprise me. The, the things that limited the offense from that standpoint were twofold in terms of what they could do with Baker Mayfield. One, defenses wanted to keep him in the pocket. And two, Blake Hance. If you know when when it comes to and this again, Blake Hans, God bless him, he's trying. But when you can't protect passing plays or running plays or whatever, you're not going to run them. So one of the big lost things in this the past season was you know their rollout game and some of their uh, you know that that wide zone play action look that they really used to a, a great effect in 2020 if you can't protect that going forward or away, you're not going to run it. So as much as Baker Mayfield's injuries impacted that, if he was fully healthy, I don't expect they were going to run those concepts for that reason. And that's where Jack, Jack Conklin's injury was so big. And the fact that they you know lost Chris Hubbard so quickly, those all impacted their ability to run the offense um, as did uh, mental errors and, there were a lot of them for a team that had so many veterans receivers. They had a lot of miscommunications, misroutes, and, and pre-snap penalties that all contributed to that. So there were some interesting tidbits to take away from it. Uh, obviously, the most important, I guess, is that you know him saying he has full confidence in Baker Mayfield. That shouldn't surprise anybody. As people insist on like this, this idea that they don't like Baker Mayfield, he had 13 opportunities to put him on the bench with every reason to do so because of his injury and put him out there. If he didn't believe in him, he wouldn't have played him. It, it does no one any good to, to put him out there injured. Uh, doesn't make any sense to, for ownership to do it, despite the fact I've had any number of people suggest that. Um, it doesn't make any sense for Andrew Barry to do it. It doesn't make any sense for Kevin Stefanski to do it. He was their best option. And you know, look, the offensive struggles. I mean, again, I mean, look, you can talk about him. You can still bring him up. What's done is done. It was done in the past. You know, were there? You know, you know, you, you say the correct thing, but I'm sure there was. You know, some things maybe they weren't comfortable with, or Baker wasn't comfortable with. 
you know, as far as the injury, there was a revolving door on the offensive line at times. Um, you know, Jedrick Wills out there, you know, playing at whatever percentage you want to put it on most of the season, you know, playing on a bad wheel, which he did for most of the season. As the season progressed, the ankle got better. You saw the player Jedrick Wills progress. Um, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, good maybe for him to speak up on Anthony Schwartz. You know, Anthony Schwartz, and look, you know, put it on a surface here, you know, and a lot of people, you know, his production, this, that, and the other thing, there wasn't a wide receiver on this team that produced last year. So to single out the third round pick rookie, who in all actuality should have been fifth, maybe sixth in the pecking order, the way this wide receiver room was originally drawn up, was brought here for a specific role. I think the problem with Anthony Schwartz is he had a great week one. And I think all of a sudden people started to tremendously lift the expectations on the rookie. Um, it certainly you know fell from there. Then you put in the fact that I guess he was, I mean, I think it was about six weeks he was inactive. Uh, with the concussion he suffered against the New England Patriots. So, you know, that's you no know, practicing. Um, that's, you know, not playing, obviously. Um, so, you know, obviously a lot of that hindered, um, you know, the growth process of Anthony Schwartz, you know, and as far as just getting reps, there would have been a ton more reps to be had. Those reps, unfortunately, were not there for him to have, obviously, as he was, you know, sitting idle while he was getting over his concussion. Um, yeah, I do believe there's a player they still value. I mean, I do believe they understand that it was one year um, into what was, you know, hopefully going to be a long career. Anthony Schwartz, just a young man at most of 20 for the season. So I, I have no issues with Anthony Schwartz going further. Um, anybody who had, you know, was expecting you know that big of a year, you got to keep in mind, yeah, he was drafted late third round. So it's not like all of a sudden you were, you know, he was drafted late third round when you already had Rashard Higgins on the roster. You already had Donovan Peoples-Jones on the roster. You already had Jarvis Landry on the roster. You already had Odell Beckham Jr. on the roster. So, you know, the the knocking for Anthony Schwartz gets to seem, for me, gets to be a little wonky, um, you know, and again, but I think the Chiefs game and the success he had in that game caused a lot of people to raise expectations for said player. Um, and sometimes you do that, and you end up with a situation like this, but, you know, the book, the tale is not over on Anthony Schwartz, and we're going to get to Anthony Schwartz here, actually, in another fold here in just a minute. We got a little bit, more, a lot more coming here. Locked on Browns, you latest Sports Illustrates, Pete Smith in the house for the ride. Football may be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both the NBA and the NCAA. From the latest odds, totals, player performance, props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. And of course, they carried you through the Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Pete, um, now see, obviously Cleveland Browns Daily has been there uh, this week. They're going to continue to be there. Um, Benjamin Albright, uh, Ben's been on the show before. Um, and apparently, Jadavian Clowney. And this is where it gets weird because you could look at this from both sides, as you and I discussed a little bit yesterday. Um, Jadavian Clowney last year was a gift for $8 million, and the Browns got the best of that gift. Got him healthy for most of the season, played well. He saw everything, you know, all the traits and everything talent-wise, you know, that had him as a number one overall pick years ago for the Houston Texans. Um, but now, you know, it's going to be time to pay the piper, you know, as far as, you know, what Jadavian Clowney wants. And this is where it, it gets tricky. Um, Tennessee Titans paid him $14 million. He barely played for them. The Browns paid him $8 million. He played a ton and played extremely well for them. So, you know, with the asking price on Jadavian Clowney, most certainly is going to go higher. 
And it's hard totally to read exactly where the Browns would be on this because, yes, you had him at one year, $8 million. That was a coup. But, Pete, one calendar year before that, they were committed and they were in the running with the Tennessee Titans for Jadavian Clowney at a price that was obviously you know a lot higher than the $8 million they paid him in 2021. Yeah, if memory serves, it was something like a three-year deal for something like $42 million they offered him. Um, look, Jadevian Clowney has been very upfront with his his goals here. He he wants to get paid. Um, and I think some of this is Which is help. funny, because first things first, which is funny, because let's not act like Jadevian Clowney doesn't have any money, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, and, and some of this may be in the hope of ginning up more interest on that front. Um, like when people suggest that, uh, Jadevian Clowney, uh, you know, might not be here next year because somebody else is going to pay him more. Yeah. But I'm curious who that is. I'm curious who is the, that team that wants a 29, uh, year old defensive end, uh, that, that is openly telling you they want to get paid a lot of money. I don't know how many teams, can fit that in that want to compete. Now, maybe he doesn't care and he's perfectly happy to go play in like a team like Jacksonville for a year. Um, that part, I don't know, but none of this is terribly surprising. So I don't know that this really changes anything. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, the Browns put the full court press on him for two years. They got him last year. I don't think they're in a hurry to let him go. Uh, not only because of they, they clearly liked him. They liked him better than they liked Olivier Vernon, who was a very good player uh, when he was healthy. Um, but they also don't have a guy there right now. If Genevieve and Clowney leaves, like that becomes a pressure point for them to then have to address in free agency. Um, how do they, manage to do that are they going to be able to get somebody like Emmanuel Ogba or is he going to have interest elsewhere I, I assume he's going to have a pretty uh wide array of choices so um I I you know I understand why people would look at this and go oh, I don't know if the Browns are gonna be able to keep Clowney but um I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when he signs somewhere else because I think a lot of this may just come down to posturing for the deal he ultimately wants to sign here and I think um the Browns have a lot of what he wants. So, it, it, you know, what, how much more money is it worth to him to to go elsewhere? I guess that becomes the question. And I don't know uh, where the Browns are sort of, you know, placing their value on him at this point. So that that's the other point. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But, I, I, you know, I, I don't think anything is truly changed on that front where it feels like, I guess Jadevian Clowney's leaving. I, I I think Andrew Barry pretty much covered it by saying that, um, you know, in regards to a lot of the free agencies, they have their right to enter free agency, and and we'll you know we'll we'll deal with it from there. Uh, and look, look, bringing Clowney back would be you know it, it, it's you know we've talked about it's the biggest domino as far as you know setting off the you know the all the acquisitions, all the moves that are going to be done. Um, cause the thing is, is, you know, you lose to Damian Clowney, it's okay not to have, you know, 
backups. And that's been some of our concern here is just that whole room looks like it needs a ton of work. Uh, you know, Porter Gustin has been here for a while. Um, you know, we've established what he is. Um, I don't think it's, you know, you're going to see a breakout anytime soon. Joe Jackson. Um, the fact that this team last year obviously was heavily uh, invested in attack McKinley as well. So they wanted a strong one, two, three at the edge. So they could have the ability to move miles inside, have the ability to move Jadavian Clowney inside. Um, so you, you know, you lose Clowney. I mean, it's Miles Garrett, which is, I mean, a fantastic place to start building a positional room. Um, but, you know, it's it's a ton of work that has to be done in that room. If that's the case, you never know with Clowney. And look, and Clowney is, and I'll say it a million times, he's different. He's his own man. There's, you know, certain things that some guys are looking for, you know, look to in a relationship with a team. Jadavian Clowney is just wired. He is his own man. Um, the thing also is this is now, let's see, Houston, Seattle, Tennessee, Cleveland. You know, it, it, it's it's hard, Pete, to start, you know, making the runs like this. And now maybe talking about a fifth team here, you know, you know, as you said, where you were valued, you know, this highly all over the league. And normally if you are, somebody locked you up a long, long time ago and it's not an opportunity. Um, we'll see how it plays out with J.D. Jadavian Clowney. And of course, this is, you know, again, it, 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 there's no way around it. This is the big, big sticking point And certainly the major domino as far as how, you know, the Browns are going to attack things here. This offseason, uh, Pete, good friend, our uh, one of our former favorites, Andy Isabella, out uh, of UMass, um, now a Arizona Cardinal. Um, Arizona Cardinal wide receiver room is big. They're going to lose Christian Kirk. Um, it looks like they are ready to move on with Andy Isabella. Certainly, you know the Mayfield, Ohio native, certainly popular in these parts. They, uh, I believe, it was Brad Steinbrook from the OBR said that the Browns were interested at the trade deadline last year in Andy Isabella. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have interest in Andy Isabella now. And, you know, for what it might cost, which my guess would be some sort of day three pick compensation. Um, is this overkill, A, because, you know, this is kind of maybe what and Anthony Schwartz is here to do. Um, B is, you know, are they looking to maybe go bigger within the wide receiver room, which means Anthony Schwartz and Andy Isabella don't necessarily – it basically fit that mode, but Pete, Andy Isabella is this is this something the Browns should be in on? Well, I think it's all about price. Um, I, I, I think you would be happy to have Andy Isabella sort of there to, you know, compete and uh, be able to try to make sure that one of he or Anthony Schwartz is able to contribute, and some of that is just. Um, Injury concern, uh, just trying to make sure that you always have guys that are healthy out there, even even just talking about like uh, training camp and stuff. Uh, Anthony Schwartz hopefully will not repeat last year where he missed a ton of time due to hamstring issues. Uh, so if, if you're just saying, is, is Andy and Isabella worth having in camp to compete? Absolutely, he is. Now, what do you pay for that? I don't know. Uh, that you're going to give up much for that. Maybe you give up a player that you're not terribly worried about keeping. Maybe you give up a conditional pick. Um, how much do you really want to give up? Um, that that part is difficult to know. Certainly getting more speed on the field is, is something the Browns would like, but they also need guys who are going to produce. Um, so I, I like what Andy Isabella can still be. Um, you still have to cover him. You still have to run with him. Um, but I, but I don't expect the Browns are going to give up, 
you know, a fourth round pick to get Andy Isabella. I think it's more along the lines of like a conditional sixth or seventh. Um, and uh-huh. and if he doesn't, then then he doesn't. Like I, you know, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to get to a point where they're just simply going to cut him. Um, so so uh, it, I, I'm curious what that price is to move. And and the Browns have veterans they could potentially move. I mean, uh, Austin Hooper stands out as a guy you could potentially move. I don't know if you'd move him for Andy Isabella, but but I do think Austin Hooper, <laughs> if they decide they're going to move on, makes more sense to trade him than to cut him. Um, and there may be more guys in that in that vein uh, that you might do a player per, player for player type swap. Isabella, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, it was a name that Pete and I were infatuated with during his draft cycle. Um, hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities in Arizona. <clears throat> so we'll see if it plays out, if it's even an option, again, just because the Browns had interest at the trade deadline um, with the fact that they're going to rework the room here now. Um, and now it's a much more wide open playing field as far as, you know, acquirable assets at the wide receiver position. Not necessarily sure that Andy Isabella is a guy they're going to uh, essentially jump for. Uh, Pete, John Menchie, Jameson Williams, uh, both Alabama wide receivers, currently rehabbing from their ACL injuries. Was this just proper talk, Pete, as far as, you know, their rehabs? I mean, because it seems – and look, God bless both young men because, I mean, it, it, it's brutal to ha- be going through this process and you're not going to be able to get to show everything. Um, these guys really are not going to be able to get to show much at all, uh, you know, as, you know, the states that they're in with the recovery from the ACL injury. Um, but is this just, you know, basically going up there and, and saying best possible scenario? I mean, is it really – it's really difficult to just go ahead and believe that both these guys are, you know, going to be in the one percentile of rehab processes. Um, and for me, it just keeps coming up with Jamison Williams. I mean, just another reason for me to, you know, where I can't just say he's not an option at 13. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter um, if they say that they're going to be ready in, you know, 20 minutes, you know, all, all these teams are going to, put put their knee uh and everything under the uh, under the microscope in terms of where they are in their recovery and 32 teams are going to come to the decision of where they feel like they are relative to that um if teams feel good about their recovery uh then they're going to go pretty much where they were expected to beforehand if not i mean i you know then then you could see guys fall further down the draft board i you know i the the changing landscape on how ACLs are viewed is is curious to me at least. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like just talking. We we saw Odell Beckham tear tear the same ACL the second time um, in the Super Bowl. What does that mean for him? Like, you know, it, it's it, it's difficult to imagine he's going to bounce right back and be the same player, um, even you know, con- con- contrasted against what he was in entering the league. So while I, I get it um, that, that maybe the recovery time on this is, is faster. Um, I don't know enough about like strength and how likely that is to avoid further injury. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you can find an orthopedist who can tell you far more than I can on that. But um, my, my worry with that is that, you know, you, you already, it's not to say I would rule out guys with ACL tears. I mean, Joe Thomas tore his ACL in college and obviously never missed a snap until he tore his tricep. Uh, you worry about recurrence, you worry about um, 
potentially injuring something else as a result. So um, it's an interesting question. Obviously, it's being challenged quite a bit right now because not only do you have Jamison Williams and John Mechie, you also have Michael Gallup in the same boat and Chris Godwin in the same uh-huh. boat. Um, how are I – mean, I mean, I think – Perhaps those two, the, those two free agents are going to be sort of the test case to how this gets viewed um, in, in terms of, you know, are, are, the, are teams willing to pay them essentially competitive wages to basically not play uh, at least part of the season? Uh, if that's the case, that might be a barometer for what to expect for these guys uh, in the draft process. I, I'm still – Iffy on that, I, I think it, the best case scenario for me for a guy like Jamison Williams is somehow he falls to the end of the first round and the Browns trade up using like the the extra third round pick and and something else to to move up and get him along with whatever they took at thirteen. Perhaps um, I have a really difficult time being like, well, he tore his knee up and he's not going to play for X amount of weeks. Um, yeah, go ahead. I mean, on some on some level you have to be coming in with the expectation that these guys are going to be able to contribute, uh, you know, training camp and, and preseason, all that stuff um, is, is critically important for some guy for, for a lot of guys uh, simply ignoring those, those elements for these guys seems at least risky to me for rookie seasons. Now, does that make them the best investment long-term and ultimately the way the Browns want to go? could be um i think mechie might make more sense than than williams on that front simply because you don't have to give up quite as much to get him um well the thing is and look if you were you know truly on board with jameson williams and you truly you know you have to understand if you're drafting him in the first round you're basically drafting him based on the fact that you are signing a contract to give you 85 games over five seasons if it turns out he misses first two three four at the end of the day is that the worst thing in the world? Um, no. Um, but if it were to lead to a situation where the Browns started out the gate really smooth, I mean, really rough, he started out really rough, and it ends up being a, another lost year in Cleveland here. It's certainly something to factor in. There's obviously a lot of changes that would be coming in 2023, uh, you know, to the roster as a whole. Um, certainly going to be interesting, you know, and, I, you know, for both players. And obviously, you know, in this process, it's tough to go through. Um, when you're going through this and obviously, you know, you can't represent yourself in the best way possible, which is, you know, your God given ability. Uh, so for Mechie and certainly uh, James Williams will follow this process, see how it works out for them. Get to a little bit more here. Uh, some questions from you guys. I got one more question for Pete. Um, we'll get to all that more here on your latest locked on Browns. If you were not following or subscribe to the Locked On Browns podcast, whatever podcast platform you use, make sure you are doing that now. Please leave those five-star ratings and written reviews. We appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Browns their first lesson day in and day out. It's trickling out yesterday, Pete. It's trickled out today. Um, I, I, I don't know where the numbers are going to be as we're going to start workouts here. This is Thursday. Workouts will start at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, seems, you know, obviously guys are always – dropping out of you know doing stuff at the combine whether it's the lifting whether it's the running whether it's the field events you know some guys are injured inciting injury is that cause here but Pete could be a thought process of let's go to Indy let's do the interviews there wasn't a combine last year anyway so at the end of the day is it really going to be make or break 
That's a damn good question. Um, I look. Thank I think. Thank you. Every now and then, I have one. I think NFL teams certainly want guys to test. Uh, I think more information for them is better. Although, to be fair, there are some some teams who are probably hoping that some prospect doesn't test because they think he's maybe better than other people do, and they don't want the secret to get out. One hundred percent. But information is useful. Uh, having said that. You know, another question that would have been interesting to ask, uh, you know, I think more GMs um, over the course of the, 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 the combine is is basically about GPS data and the proliferation of GPS data and how valuable that is. Um, I think the one guy I saw, uh, poor Brad Holmes, like I, 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 his answers to me just were awful. Um, he, he said um, he would rather um, – he would re- he, he he gets more out of watching a guy run than what GPS or the forty would tell him, which I find fascinating because it's like saying, "Yeah, screw it, get rid of my speedometer and and we'll just see how fast I feel like I'm going." Um, Data is useful, so I mean, like I think there are certain tests where you can sort of answer that on the field with that type of stuff, and and some schools have better tracking but i think also you can get more and more in terms of just software that can sort of track you know track how long it takes from a person to give to point a to point b i think there's a lot of value in that that doesn't mean that those tests can't be useful and there are certain tests that are really useful jumps are still useful i don't care you know whatever you want to show on the field like jumps are a a measure of lower body explosion and power and all those things like those are super useful i still think the three cone is useful i still think like shuttle is still useful even though i get it you can sort of practice to the test and those type of things but it's i think it is less about the time anymore and more about seeing the guy do it i think there's something to be said for uh certainly you want that time and you want to be able to measure but i also think there's an element of being able to see how they move and their balance and things like that. So um, testing is certainly valuable, but not unlike the Wonderlic, for example, I think we are moving in a direction where that is going to be less and less of a factor. um, And it's going to just be a question of how long that takes. Now, I I don't think we're anywhere near that at this point. I think, you know, you're talking like probably 15, 20 years, but um, the more teams sort of evolve in how they get information and how they can get athletic data, the less necessary this stuff still is while still being a valuable tool. Yeah. And I, I do agree with you there. Like, cause it's, you know, I think you look, you're always going to be, I think commended for going out there and com- competing. That's always going to be appreciated. Um, but as we get to this point where, you know, the, the, evolving of thought processes um, and, you know, the evolving of getting, you know, some of these old dinosaurs out of front offices in the NFL who are so antiquated in their thinking and are so stubborn and afraid to change the way they're thinking. I think you not working out is not looked at as the black eye that it used to be. There are several other ways to do this. I mean, you know, the, you know, the bench press, whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, at this point we could probably just get a decent video of it on social media and say, all right, yeah, I saw the guy, his form looked good. He did 16 reps at 225. You know, what, what are we taking a trip out to, you know, Southwest Texas State to see this kid do a bench press for? Um, 
it, of course, you know, with, you know, the film and the way it is now and, you know, all, all the ways you're able to, you know, establish player speed, uh, certainly that's there. So, I mean, look, there are a lot of different avenues and a way for this to go. I don't think the combine is going to ever go away. It's a huge moneymaker for the league. They'll find a way to keep it relevant as possible. They are not stupid. One thing they're not done with is when it comes to money. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely you know some sort of changing process here. And, you know, for some guys, hey, look, you know, I mean, you can say, look, I banged up my quad two weeks ago. What does it truly mean? It means I really would rather just do this in the comfort of my own place where I've been training all the time. Um, so we'll see how it works out. Um, we got some questions here. Uh, first, uh, Dan Flash, which of the three do you prefer? Wandale Robinson, Sky Moore, or Calvin Austin? Uh, I will just say this, Don, Calvin Austin's probably aged out of the Browns, uh, you know, where their guardrails are as far as age, but go ahead, Pete. I honestly don't know if I, I – I'm having a difficult time sort of picking between Sky Moore and Wendell Robinson. I like both quite a bit. Uh, I think both are more suited to play in the slot. Um, but as I would be quick to point out is if you're running an offense that runs a lot of tight ends or um, tight ends and then you have a guy like DPJ who's going to play a lot of X, you can sort of create – where that slot becomes, and that could be inside or outside, the, just because of motion and being able to create matchups. So that in an offense like what the Browns have, I'm less concerned about guys who a lot of people would consider slot only, um, as long as they're athletic enough to sort of be a problem on the outside because you can sort of dictate that matchup. But I like both of those guys. Um, I, you know, Wendell Moore obviously has a little bit of an edge just in terms of the competition he faced, but Sky Moore's tape is incredible. Both guys are right in the age bracket. Both guys are, are really effective against man coverage. Um, you know, Wendell Moore is in some ways a lot like Traylon Burks in terms of he was the offense in a lot of ways. So teams knew he was coming and they still couldn't stop him. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I like both. I, I don't know um, th- that I'll be, uh, you know, I, I'm sure at some point I'll have to come up with picking one or the other, but if one of those guys is uh, to me, I think they're both going to end up sort of gone in that second round area, but like listening to Dane Brugler and stuff, talk about like those guys being available in the third round, pick one of them. I don't give it, I don't care at that point. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I mean, I, I, there's people who love sky more a lot more than I do. Um, but Wondell Robinson, and I think it's impressive for me that I like that, you know, basically just showed up to Kentucky after being at Nebraska for two years, 104 receptions over 1300 yards receiving uh, some rushing ability, rushing ability involved. Uh, you know, seven attempts for 111 yards. I, I, I'm in, I, you know, nice player. Um, but one thing that would question me with Wondell Robinson, again, similar to Andy Isabella is, is this the way they're going with, you know, wide receivers? Cause you know, this is, you know, he's certainly not a big guy. So it's a question for me, but you know, Wondell Robinson, certainly exciting. And I do like the fact that in just one year in Kentucky, he found his way to, a, you know, over a hundred receptions for me. I do find that pretty impressive here. Let's see. we got a couple more here. Let's get those fired up. Um, veteran linebacker, adding or not adding, Pete? Sorry, what was that? Veteran linebacker, adding or not adding? Drafting, well, or, I mean, drafting or signing? I, I would think – I think they're going to keep Anthony Walker unless he gets a, a competitive, you know, better offer to go somewhere else. I think Malcolm Smith has an open invitation to play as long as he feels like it. So, no, I don't expect them to go veteran, but certainly if the value's there – um, <laughs> in the draft that they're going to keep adding athletes. And at some point, somehow they're going to have to find that 
true Mike Backer um, in terms of a guy who can play rundowns. Um, if that is, you know, that's what Anthony Walker was signed to do. Um, defensive tackle sort of screwed him on that front for the most part this past year, but they need that guy. Like I like Jacob Phillips and hopefully he's going to stay healthy. I like JOK, uh, but you know, against teams like the Ravens and the Bengals and, and obviously the Steelers want to be this team. Um, if, you know, those t- teams want to line up and, and play heavy, you need to have somebody who can at least situationally do that. And right now they don't. And I think the draft is a good place to do it. Um, guys that could potentially fill that role. Uh, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. I've seen him all over the board. I love him in a number of ways. Uh, Mike Rose from Iowa State is interesting from that standpoint. But the the, the kid from LSU, uh, is it Damone Clark or whatever? Yep. He's another big kid who can just run around. Like, I think they need to find one of those. Um, whether they draft that, find one in free agency or something else, I think that's got to happen. I, I expect between those things, it's more likely to happen in the draft or after the draft. So a position to look at here, but, you know, you have some young players. Certainly you love everything with JOK. Jacob Phillips, healthy. You really, really like Jacob Phillips. That player um, just needs to continue on the course of staying on the field. Uh, Vince Kaludis asked about Vince about the kicker. We've talked about this. We would rather sign a sign a kicker and draft a punter. You don't want to put that much pressure, uh, you know, on a rookie kicker. The Evan McPherson story is a great one, uh, but it's not one that's going to happen all the time. Here's a good one from Glenn Hammond. Do you think the actual reason, Pete, to announce a quarterback coach is so that they don't have to use Case Keenum in that pseudo role and possibly allow for Nick Mullins, as you've stated many a times, to continue the course as the Browns' backup quarterback? No, uh, that because those those two roles are very different. Um, having a, a dedicated quarterback coach is, is a completely different role than having a guy who's in the locker room, you know, in your meeting room, like a, like a case Keenum that's going to help you out. Um, they're different in some ways. It's sort of like, um, you know, there's some element of, you know, the, the coaches are the authority and like the, the, the guy in the bunker sort of in the bunker with you is sort of on your side to a certain extent. So it's just a different mentality, a different thing. Like, Case Keenum's not in there coaching him. I mean, he's just sort of – he's a sounding board. He's an extra set of eyes. He's a guy that you you sort of talk through with, but he's not coaching him. Um, You know, they had Alex Van Pelt doing that last year. I'm curious – I'd be – you know, that was – that was something that I I – you know, I would love an answer on him, and they're certainly not going to give me one as sort of like – how does Drew Petzing differ from Alex Van Pelt? And is Alex Van Pelt still going to be involved in some way? I expect he will be. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't think there's a dynamic of Case Keenum was effectively the coach. Like that, that's not how that works. And it was more of a sounding board. And it was, uh, you know, take coaches' information, see what you see yourself. And then you go to somebody who had, you know, obviously more experience than you. Um, in the offensive system. Um, and also, you know, as we talked about the other day, it was part of, you know, people putting in the work and earning, you know, titles that, you know, basically put them up on, you know, higher up on the coaching tree. So, you know, kind of that route there as well. Uh, so we covered here, obviously, you know, Coach Stefanski's press, there's some talks on J.D. Jadavian Clowney, uh, Andy Isabella, uh, some questions from you guys, um, the thought process of, you know, our players understanding that there wasn't a combine last year, using that to their advantage 
and putting themselves in the best position uh, to succeed and test well and you know show the best of their merits uh, for the NFL brass. Um, we're going to continue here through the week. Uh, my plan is to probably just record all weekend, obviously with Combine officially kicking off on Thursday, workouts all the way through until Monday. So that is the plan here. Um, obviously a fun week here. Uh, continue to see, you know, what comes out uh, media-wise, certainly related to the Browns, certainly related just to the NFL in general. He is Pete Smith of Browns Digest, SportsIllustrated.com. Pete and the team, obviously, you know, working the tails off this week. A lot of NFL news, certainly a lot of uh, a lot of Cleveland Brown news to put out this week. And then, of course, now the workouts here as we start to get closer and closer to, you know, pinpointing prospects that look to be you know solid fits here for the cleveland browns in 2022 um make sure you're following at underscore pete smith underscore throw a follow over there myself at jeff underscore lj lloyd throw a follow over there um the show itself a lock at lockdown browns follow back account dms are open whatever podcast platform you are using make sure you're following subscribe to the lockdown browns podcast five star ratings Written reviews, combine week workouts are starting on Thursday, and we will have it all covered here on Locked On Browns. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.